You're listening to Casual Talk Radio, where common sense is still the norm. Whether you're a new or a longtime listener, we appreciate you joining us today. Visit us at casualtalkradio.net. And now, here's your host, Leister. Hello, and a happy for you if it's something you celebrate, Martin Luther King Day, Casual Talk Radio, casualtalkradio.net. My name is Leister. I'm your host. I'm not going to discuss the holiday. I have my reasons. I had a different topic, topic that I've had kind of in the mothballs and was waiting for the right moment to share it. And I think right now is the right moment to share it. I think it's important. And here's the thing. This is probably one of those episodes that I need to kind of get a little bit more wings under there. This one will be broadcast on a couple of different platforms. And I wanted to get more of the word out. And hopefully people are thinking and they're processing, receiving the message and critically thinking about it. Don't lead in whether with I'm right or wrong. It's not about right or wrong. If you're just thinking about it, that's good enough. I was thinking about some of the stuff that's happening social. And I'm not just referring to social media, although it's the general intake for it. I mean, overall society. There is something happening. And I'm going to start with a thesis statement. I believe that there is a concerted effort from the top level down, so we're talking government and big business when I say this, I believe that there's a concerted effort to suppress, and in some cases, depress women. Yeah, I just said that. I believe that a lot of what we're seeing is designed to subdue women. It's interconnected with other types of suppression. There was a time when Black Americans felt suppressed or they felt that their voice wasn't being heard. I would argue that's continued in certain avenues. When you dug into why, right, education, it was factual that Black Americans weren't getting equivalent levels of education. Fast forward, and I think that's still endemic, but we start to see that the statistics don't hold up anymore. On that skew, we no longer see that it's just this group only that's being disenfranchised because our kids in the education system, in general, race irrespective, they're not able to read. There's less of a desire to put a book in kids' hands. They were one of the first, I mean kids, to be set aside when there was a pandemic, forced to be you know, taking classes online which was not good. It was going to be detrimental if you're, because you got to think of it. Parents, they were forced to stay home because employers didn't know what they were doing. The government didn't know what they were doing. So now you don't have real education, but more importantly, you don't have focus. You don't have directed education of kids. What happens if we have a poorly educated youth? We end up with poorly educated society, poorly educated society, which I think we're in the middle of now, by the way, poorly educated society leads to piss poor decisions. Piss poor decisions leads to dangerous outcomes, which I would argue we're seeing now. I was connecting the dots. We started to see this bizarre out of nowhere rise of transgender rights. When we look at transgender rights, 
I don't think anybody would argue the idea that they shouldn't be suppressed individually. The problem with the way that it was approached and many things are approached and black Americans can resonate with this. When you try to give somebody else rights and you trample on this other group in order to give them those rights, you've done it wrong. What do I describe? During this whole push for transgender rights, the big, easy, low-hanging fruit was to allow them to waltz into any bathroom that they felt like, irrespective of the safety of women. Because let's be honest, it's always about women, isn't it? Because biologically, if you are a male, biologically, there are certain factors true about you that make you a risk just because of your physical stature. The counter argument was, well, we're not going to do that. We just want to, we don't want to be attacked or something else. And there is no home for us. The home had always been, what is your bio biological make? And the biological make conformed to the bathroom we should walk into. That wasn't good enough because of a fear, stated fear. You, as a female, you walk into a male bathroom because that's the way you want to go and something might happen to you. That's a Chewbacca though, because it deflected away from the conversation where there truly was risk. The true risk is if you are a male waltzing into a woman's bathroom, why is it a Chewbacca? Because biologically, you're a male waltzing into a woman's bathroom. There's a stronger probability, statistically speaking, of something happening in that regard because you have certain biological factors that make you more of a risk. This is natural. This is normal. It doesn't mean that the opposite cannot happen, simply that it is statistically less likely to happen because statistically it less often happens. We then deflected away. There was never a conversation. A lot of these places rushed forward to this unisex bathroom concept. At what point? was women's safety talked about and considered before making those decisions. It wasn't because it didn't matter. Fast forward, and we are talking about equality, the workplace. I'm talking salary when I say that. Equality in the workplace. Equality from a salary perspective has never been realistic. It's never been realistic because there's too many factors to consider in salary. The most important factor that people don't understand about salary quality is it really goes to what you can command. How much are you worth? Which is why I've said multiple times, know your worth. But more importantly, you have to fight for what you believe you get or walk. And sometimes there are people who simply do not want to fight. They feel entitled to get a certain level of pay simply because they see people there working that get that pay. That's not how it works. It's never been how it works. The way it works is whatever you command is whatever you command, but we've shifted. It now became a world where the business will simply offer whatever they'll offer. And that offer is usually based on some numbers they ran in their local state that told them on average, this is what this job title makes. And then they add differentials. They'll add a little bit more for a college degree, they had a little bit more for work experience, they had a little bit more for availability, a little bit more for this, a little bit more for that. Then they expect you to counter offer and they'll use the counter offer to determine whether or not you're worth hiring. They don't offer because they really want you. They offer to see what you're willing to take. 
statistically speaking, women are less likely to fight for the pay that they feel that they deserve because they're afraid that the company will walk. And in many cases, the company will walk. Because so many allow the business to do that and they just accept whatever offers put in front of them blindly, it what does what? Suppresses salaries across the board. It makes pay harder to get because the business is just saying, okay, we'll just pay you less than. Cool, that's fine. All that does is harm the people who come after you because it's harder for them now to negotiate it up. The business can afford to pay more. They don't want to pay more. When we went to the compa ratio mentality, when we went to an era where they've already predetermined the max they're ever going to pay you, that's when regular workers lost power. When you lose power for negotiation, it makes it harder for everybody, which is why everybody, every worker has to fight. The only people who fight are the college educated. The people who are fresh out of some high-level degree school, they fight because they have a college degree. They get in and they wash out because they don't have the work experience. Because the work experience is really what matters. It's not the degree. The degree doesn't mean anything. The degree, all it was intended to do, and I know it's not the way it's used, but all it was intended to do is provide you the fundamentals of what it takes to do a specific type of job. Not every job. Certain jobs, it doesn't teach you anything. Taking four math classes in college doesn't teach you anything unless if you plan to go into STEM. And even then, it's still overkill in certain of those, not all. My point is, if we look at the numbers then on what I said, and this is assuming you accept what I'm saying to be the truth, if we look at the numbers of what I said, women are less likely to negotiate for the pay that they want. Businesses already lead in knowing the most that they're going to ever pay somebody. And they're expecting you to counter offer and they use the counter offer to make a determination whether or not they're going to hire you. It means that the whole job market was used as a tool. And what does it do? It discourages women from making more money. So they accept lower. Then they complain about being paid lower. That's not to attribute blame. I'm telling you why it is. It is because it's strategic. It's planned to do that. It's planned to force you to settle for less than what you think you're worth. Now, you got to be realistic. If you just have a high school diploma, that's fine. It's harder to get into higher paying roles. And you have to work your way up into a company position in order to get a certain level of pay. And it may suck all the way up there. I grant it. But here's something you could do. Consider it. And I think people are afraid to do this. Certainly women have told me directly they don't like doing that. And I understand. I don't either, but it's the truth. Sometimes loyalty is your biggest enemy. You want to be loyal to a company. You want to be that worker. You want to be the one who shows up and you're there for 10 years. The people who do that, you're just harming yourself. You're harming yourself because your skill sets, your experience becomes stale and less value over time to different companies. A diversity of skill and experience and a diversity of atmosphere. Being in different organizations, being in different companies over time. That's the new norm. That has been the norm since I would argue 2000-ish, maybe. That's the truth, is you've got to have a diversity of exposure, a diversity of experience, learning different work models, learning different cultures and different places. That refusal to do that holds you back because if and when you get laid off or fired, 
and you need to go elsewhere, you're deer in the headlights because you've never learned how to adapt outside of this one place, which goes to the next point. If you go to work and your mind is you just want to make friends, that's up to you. I think it's damaging. I think it's the worst thing you could ever do. The work is the work and your work should be arguably separate from your personal. Statistically, women go to work and they are more inclined to make friends at work. If that's what you want to do, great. I'm saying it's going to work against you. It's going to be used as a weapon against you because there are highly competitive people in the workplace. Statistically, women are not highly competitive like men are. So I gave you a 360. When it comes back to competition, when it comes back to seeing somebody that's a hard worker next to you, when it comes to who's going to get promoted, who's going to get that raise, who's going to get acknowledged, statistically, it's the person who's the go-getter. It's the person who's the competitor. It's the person who's the pusher. And unfortunately, it's the person willing to cut somebody else off at the knees, which does what? Causes, statistically, women to fall by the wayside. So then they, they call out and say, this isn't fair. This isn't right. Why is this happening? With the transgender in the bathrooms, this isn't fair. This isn't safe. This isn't right. Why is this happening? Cause me to connect the dots. If you question why some of this is now starting to gain steam, where is it coming from? I'll speculate, and that's all I can do is speculate of where I think it's coming from. I believe it's coming from very rich, top-level people, including government people, whose goal is to regress women back to an era where they are dependent. And I said that, and that's my speculation. Where am I getting that from outside of what I just talked about? Well, you've probably noticed, if you're listening to me here, you're roughly around my age, somewhere close. You've probably noticed a significant and somewhat troubling increase in the amount of men walking around with man buns. You probably noticed a significant increase. And if you've gone to clothes shopping, you've noticed a significant increase in the amount of clothes for allegedly for men that look very similar to women's pants, leggings. That's what they are. There's no desire anymore to look like a, a man. And that statement I just said will upset a couple people. What does look like a man mean? Looking like a man, there's a certain body definition that males have had traditionally. At one point, certain males had it, certain males didn't. David Ruffin. David Ruffin was as stick thin as they got. No problem. Paul Williams wasn't. Paul Williams had a general shape about him, right? Prince. Prince was as stick thin as they got. Just, a, just as thick as they got. You know, Luther Vandross wasn't. So there was a variety and a diversity of shapes and sizes. And growing up, some of those people that were stick thin, they were the better athletes, they were the better something else, and we heralded them. But no matter what their body shape was, traditionally, they always dressed like men. We're talking sharp. Every girl's crazy about a sharp-dressed man used to be the case. They always dressed like men. 
not dressing like women or doing the hair like women. That became a thing later. Nobody knows why. I'll speculate. When we got to this world of emasculating men, that we're promoting that look. We're promoting a feminine look, visual look. Remember, people like Justin Bieber looked like boys, little young boys. He doesn't look like that now. He rushed out, got a bunch of tattoos, did everything he could to try to look more manly. After years of looking like a young boy, did everything he could to try to now physically look like a, a grown man. Okay, I don't fault him for it, but we went through years and years of this emasculation that I believe as speculation caused those men to then take a step back. We're hearing the stories from Cat Williams. I'm, I may do a future episode when that dies down. I wanted to let the dust settle. Cat Williams, and he was talking about the industry and the kind of things that go on in the industry and the things he wasn't willing to do in order to make a bunch of money in the industry. And we hear about the whole ditty and freak offs and all that, that I'm not following direct. I hear it secondhand. I did watch the Cat Williams come a fan of his, but everything else is like, I'm not, I'm not with the drama, but we hear all that. This goes back though. This was years and years and years. Demon Wilson, who was on Sanford and Son, and he had talked about what he referred to as quote, bend over Billy. We know what that implies. So this has been a, a thing in the business. Pamela Anderson talked about going to the hotel room and all of this chatter around the way the industry has worked for many, many years. With some of this emasculation I described and some of the shift in the way that men have been perceived and the way that they've been allowed or disallowed, I should say, to promote themselves now, they've mostly taken a step back. You don't really have true men out there anymore. Okay. I accept that. That's what it is. I may not like it, but I accept what I see. Well, what does that do? It means that if there's always this fear and I'm sharing the dirt, so you have it, if there's always this fear that some girl is just going to scream rape or scream sexual harassment or scream sexual assault for whatever reason, whether legit or not, you're going to be less confident as a male boss to hire women because you don't know. You might want to hire somebody, but you're concerned that they'll get pregnant and then they're not available for the work where the work has to still get done. So that's a bias, but it's a valid bias because that could happen. You don't know. You can't really ask, right? You can't get in their business. You can't dig in that way. So you can't ask to protect your business and you can't, you kind of have to keep a, a wide berth. You can't keep, you got to keep them at arm's distance. We get to this era of text messages where people don't want to get on the phone anymore. And all they want to do is text. Text messages is a trap because all that, that takes away the emotional aspect one, but two, the moment you give somebody your phone number, now it could be presented as, well, no, he forced me to, da, 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 da. I'm, I'm sharing the dirt. So you understand as a male boss, because it all ties, as a male boss, you now have all these risk factors. And people might think, no, that's stupid. That's because you're worried about, that's a, these are fallacies that you described. That's a fallacy. You got to understand they're legitimate concerns because the media has promoted the idea that these are widespread things. When statistically speaking, what's really happening is you have a very frustrated group, that being women, they're frustrated. They're frustrated because they're being suppressed. 
they're being disenfranchised. And because of this, certain of them are doing what they feel like they have to do to try to get ahead because they feel like they can't get ahead without it. And then when things fall out and they don't go their way, they, they scream, whatever, sexual assault, sexual harassment, rape, whatever it is. But that subset is the vocal. They promote the narrative. The media spreads it. And then it sets what? It sets hesitancy in the minds of the other ones where it's like, what are you talking about? And this is risk and we can't go there. So now you, I guarantee you have heard and seen all this bias training and sexual harassment training and all of this garbage that doesn't do anything because it doesn't change anything. You're sharing the same thing people already know. You can't change behaviors. Businesses will say, we're doing this to try to promote a good culture and promote a good workspace. That's not what they're doing. They're doing it because their ESG overlords have forced them to do it because the media has convinced people that this is a strong issue. That doesn't say it's not an issue. It's saying you cannot change behaviors. And by promoting this idea that doing all this training and everything is making a difference, you're trying to convince people that things are going to change. If you're a woman listening to me right now, I would argue nothing has really changed. It certainly hasn't gotten any better. We know those incidents are still happening. We know that there's strong chance that there's a lot that's not reported. We know that salaries are certainly not equivalent now. We know that the transgender agenda still goes forward of trying to allow essentially men to walk into your bathroom. Nothing changed. But the media keeps talking about it. It's still out there because you can't change behaviors. But the, this group I describe that I talk about are doing everything they can to promote the narrative that they are trying to change things. When the truth is they're not trying to change things at all. They want you to be afraid. They want you to be concerned. They want you to feel suppressed. They want you to feel disenfranchised. They want you to feel like you are not on the level that you're not equal. Why do I speculate that? Because I follow the money. You follow the money. All of these paid trainings and everything else, I follow the money. It's obvious though. It's obvious. It's clear to me at least that women, that's the target. Someone, I can't name, someone doesn't want women to feel on the same level. And they're doing everything they can to make sure that's not the case. Do you want me to give me another example as I wrap up? I'll give you the most notable example I can think of. Abortion. People are arguably on one of three sides. You're pro-life, you're pro-choice, or you just don't give a damn, right? That That's what it is. You're pro-life, you're pro-choice, or you don't give a damn. I would argue most people are in the don't give a damn category than that are in the other two. But because of the vocal sides, pro-life and pro-choice, they're vocal. And the media spreads that narrative stronger and stronger and stronger. What does it do? It influences, we're going to come back to that word, you to take a side. It might surprise you to understand that many of the people that are described as influencers are paid by very rich people to push a narrative. It might surprise you to understand that many of these influencers are paid 
to create dissension across two sides and force people to pick a side. Many of these influencers that are chatting around pro-life or chatting around pro-choice, they don't really believe what they're saying. They're paid to create that contention because creating the contention creates awareness of an issue. Creating an awareness of an issue forces the government to react, which changes things, which is socialism, essentially. That's the reality. When you are in the middle, they don't want that. They don't want you to not care. They want you to care on one side or another. Why? Because if you, as a woman, simply do not care, you don't care. You don't, you're not on the side. You don't care. You, to them, are part of the problem. If you're pro-life, you believe, bottom line, life, Christianity, whatever the root of the belief is, if you're on the pro-life side, you are part of the problem for the pro-choice crowd. But the problem is artificial. The problem, it's made up. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. It's artificial. It's fabricated. I don't suggest that abortion as an issue is fake or fabricated. I'm referring to this battle between pro-life and pro-choice. Because where it boils down, where it boils down is trampling on other people's rights. If we accept one statement, only one statement, that you as an individual have the right to make decisions for your own body, it nullifies both side arguments. It literally nullifies both side arguments. It nullifies the whole war. There are people who don't want you to have the right to make the decision about your body because there's a group who don't believe that you should be allowed to do that. They're trying to impose their values on you. Could you imagine, let's say, Christians trying to impose their values on Mormons? That actually happened, believe it or not. That happened. There was a time when the Book of Mormon was in every single hotel across this nation. Not anymore. It's in some. It's not in every one like it used to be. It used to be in every single hotel. It's not there. You know, there is a push to conform people to what one believes, irrespective of what they believe. They're trying to impose values because everybody has been conditioned to do that by these very rich people. They've created contention between groups. Used to be, well, it's a black and white thing. Well, no, now Jews are being oppressed in some ways. That, that's happening. You've got a lot of dissatisfaction with our governments which has nullified us down to a Democrat versus Republican syntax, despite the fact that there's tons of other parties out there. Many of them have been absorbed into one of these two groups. That's strategic. Do you know what it does? When you do that, you are essentially suppressing women's voting because women traditionally are going to lean one way or the other when they are conditioned to do so, as opposed to thinking, well, maybe I'm actually Green Party. Maybe I actually am socialist party. They're going to say, I'm truly socialist party, but I'm going to jump Democrat because it's all I got available. That's dangerous. It's harmful to you. It's not harmful to anybody else but you. You're harming yourself. You're harming yourself by being influenced by what's happening and not speaking out against it. 
So if there was a call to action, don't consider it a call to action. I'm saying if there were, number one, as a woman, you should not be tolerant of the transgender agenda as being pushed. I'm talking about this freedom of them to waltz into your bathroom simply because of the way they feel at the moment. I don't think you should tolerate it. I think you should fight it. I think you should be marching in the streets fighting it, adamantly fighting it, and back it up with the readily available data that's there around statistics for rape. I think you should be doing that. But notice, there's not a lot of women marching in the streets against that. They're not because they, they're worried and concerned about the impact on the transgender community instead of themselves. There's not a self-preservation instinct on the women's side like there used to be in the bra burning days. That strength is gone from women to fight back against something they know is wrong. They no longer have it. Well, since they no longer have it, that spins over to the workplace. They no longer have the strength to fight for true equality. They'll complain about it, but they won't fight for it. They'll, it spins over to abortion rights, quote unquote. They won't fight. They'll, they'll complain about it on social media. They won't fight. There's no fight in women like there was before. And that's what they have wanted is to basically beat you, browbeat you to where you don't fight anymore. Tina Turner. That's where we're at. And my, again, if there was a call to action, it would be to really think about your lack of desire to fight against what's happening. Because what's happening is they have taken away your energy to fight. You'll complain knowing nothing will change, but you will not fight. There's a difference. And they have encouraged you to support emasculating men and the men at one point were the only barrier you had left against what's happening to say, no, that's wrong. That's not going to happen. That's where we're at. That's what I see. People can disagree at rhymes, casualtalkradio.net, hit the contact form. If you don't agree and why, please, I want to hear it. But I, I see what's going on. I see what's going around and it's disheartening. And I see it's getting worse, not better. And I can't only blame ESG, to be fair. I blame the youth. I blame our education system. I blame social media. I blame influence that is negative influence. Because here's the truth. If we don't fix it at some point, the political system is going to combust because even it has been infected by that garbage. Remember the rush to try to anoint Hillary Clinton as president of Time Magazine. Never forget that. Remember the rush to drag Joe Biden over the finish line without him even doing anything to get out there and talk to you. Never forget. Remember the rush to elect a female black vice president, Kamala Harris. Never forget. Remember the rush to put a black man in president in Obama. Never forget. And then consider, contrast that with where we are now versus where we were in past eras when somebody like Clinton gets ousted because he lied about getting a blowjob in the Oval Office. Never forget. And think about the deflection, the distraction, 
and how it's getting progressively worse because they've effectively distracted Americans. But they started, they started with women. They started with, we got to take away this element because if we take away that element and we emasculate all the men, there's nothing left to fight back when we want to do something like they did during the pandemic, which is to essentially take away your livelihood. 